uh, your fan. And uh, may I touch the last few uh, issues if it's possible? Pardon? Okay, can I speak about a few comments? Yes, sure, go ahead. Yeah, yeah sure. The first one is Zahra Kazemi, the Canadian journalist, went to Iran and terrorist regime of Iran raped her, killed her, and now after uh, five years, uh, still there is uh, the people, the persons who are responsible for killing her uh, still is intact. And Canad uh, uh, last week, Canadian ambassador from Tehran was kicked out because of this issue. And I hope that you and your um, Canadian Please call the Canadian, uh, uh, you know, Parliament, Canadian, uh, you know, uh, uh, governors, etc., and tell them to shut down terrorist government uh, embassy of Iran in Ottawa. And if we do that, we win uh, one of the biggest things in the history of mankind. It may or may not be, it may or may not be, because every country really has done something similar to every other country. And what we generally do is, is pick on an incident, and it's always a highly emotive incident. And that's all we see. We, we see red like a terrier, like a bulldog going for the bull. We see red. And that's often the problem with it. We've got to get beyond that into a bigger picture because just like you don't go to war to slaughter a whole people because of one person being killed, not by all the people doing it either. Remember that. Every country has its hit team. Every single country. Canada has its special forces that will cut anyone's throat if they're ordered to do so. Every country has these guys. And Iran is no different. Iran is, not a Iran is no perfect country either. Um, it's been so meddled in for so long by the West as well, who put their own men in there, uh, trying uh, to create a new type of Islam even. And that ended up with, with chaos for a while. We had British Petroleum heavily involved there, uh, using armies and, and uh, insurrections and so on, trying to gain a bigger foothold as well. If you go into the writings of one of the top spies in Britain, and, and that was Kimby, uh, Kim Philby, he, he eventually, when he escaped from Britain, uh, because they allowed him to escape, he ended up running at the head of the KGB from an aristocratic family. He also went over and lived in that area. He knew all the top muftis and everything. So, sure, you're always going to have your little brotherhoods in every country. It's no different because the psychopaths end up at the top of every system. And they hold on to their little empires. Uh, the problem is, wars between the elite of any country should be fought by the elite of every country. Put them in the boxing ring. Give them the guns. Let them go out and kill each other. It's the common people that they, they rule over that shouldn't have to get bombed out of existence since they have nothing to do with the actual incidents we're talking about. You understand? Yes, exactly. And the problem in Iran is that uh, is a vestiges, revolutionary guard, and with a new national ID card has arrived in Iran, and people are very frightened. I mean, if you go in the street, you don't carry your national ID card, yeah. you are going to go to FEMA camp, even prison, right away. And yeah. after that, God knows what happens to you. Are you going to be uh, tortured, executed, etc.? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. et yeah, I know this, and, and I know also uh, that that can happen in any of the Euro European countries where it's now mandatory to carry your ID card with you too. 
This is the same the world over, same in Singapore. It's the same the world over. We're seeing the same totalitarian system. Now, this is standard again with tyranny governments because in El Salvador, too, uh, when the coup happened, uh, because all the peasants were being kicked off their land, any peasant found in any town without an ID was put on their knees and shot in the head. That happened every day there. Uh, and this is standard procedure with totalitarianism, and it's not going to stop uh, with, with the show that we're seeing in Iran. This is a worldwide show that we're going into, and we should all be terrified of it. And as I say, the, the, the entire Middle Eastern sector has had no peace uh, for, for about 150 years because of the West trying to get in there and, and install their own uh, little regimes and governmental regimes and arming different sides one against the other. Uh, George Orwell put it very well. He says, who are we fighting today, East Asia or West Asia? Because they kept changing sides. Uh, Napoleon called Britain perfidious Britain perfidious England, because it kept changing sides and backing different people. And, and, and this is what you get out of it. When two or more countries are constantly battling each other, right next door to each other, they can be easily manipulated by a third party, especially the one that's supplying them with the arms and equipment. Exactly. And, uh, uh, the coup attempt, 1953, Dr. Yeah. Mohammad Mossadegh, we had democracy in Iran, for for a long time, as, as soon as the CIA made a coup attempt, and then they brought the Reza Shah of Iran, Mohammad Reza Shah Pahlavi, and yeah. he is another dictator. And then they get rid of him in 1979, replaced him with another shaitanic dictator, Khomeini, and this is what will happen. This yes. is the agenda. This is the program. They, they want, uh, I mean, are, these people are very dangerous. Well, they're very dangerous, and, and we have watched this uh, happening over and over again. That happened all over Latin America, too, uh, into the democratic countries when they got democracy in. The CIA went in there. They put their men down from the School of the Americas and they had their squads that ran around slaughtering whole villages and terrifying them, and, and then they'd overthrow the democracy and, and bring in their own dictator. This is standard procedure for the CIA. Right, and especially today, assassination of the Benazir Bhutto was done by MI6, yes. the British, because yeah. they have... Uh, uh, they don't. They didn't like her to, to bring democracy to Pakistan, and yeah. then you know they want dictatorship in Pakistan. They want Musharraf. He's a dictatorship uh, to be in power, so they can uh, play with him any way they want. They give him money. Yeah. I mean, uh -huh. ten yeah. million million dollars um, uh, or, or more. Per year they give him why and and while we in America we are starving to death we in America we have we need more education and health habits. Yes, yeah, hold on and we'll talk about it after these messages. Good. Six feet four He fights with missiles And with spears He's all of Thirty-one And he's only seventeen He's been a soldier For a thousand years He's a Catholic A Hindu An atheist A Jain A Buddhist And a Baptist And a Jew And he knows He shouldn't kill and he knows he always will 
Carry for me, my friend, and me for you. And he's fighting for Canada. He's fighting for France. He's fighting for the USA. And he's fighting for the Russians. And he's fighting for Japan. And he thinks we'll put an end to war this way. And he's fighting for democracy. He's fighting for the Reds. He says it's for the peace of all. He's the one who must decide who's to live and who's to die, and he never sees the writing on the wall. But without him, how would Hitler have condemned him at Laval? Without him, Caesar would have stood alone. He's the one who gives his body as a weapon of the war, and without him. All this killing can't go on. He's the universal soldier, and he really is to blame. His orders come from far away no more. They come from here and there, and you and me, and brothers. Can't you see? This is not the way we put the end to war. Hi, I'm Alan Watt. Back with cutting to the matrix and talking with Mo about what's happening in countries like Iran, Pakistan, and other places where the CIA have been meddling in heavily. And it was quite recently, in fact, a general was demoted in Pakistan who admitted that they were getting rather big payoffs from the CIA. And there's nothing in, unusual about this. The CIA has its finger in every regime across the planet, and it's not to bring them a happy democracy and leave it to Beaver and television. It's to make sure that economic interests of the powers that be, the big masters that run the countries of the West, uh, take over the resources of other countries where people are simply in the way. And I'm not kidding about that. That's how they refer to some of these wars and justify eradicating millions of people. They'll tell you that there are people sitting on vast resources and they're doing nothing with it. They're in the way. I heard a top executive from the top diamond and gold companies in London being interviewed by the BBC. And how they had started, and this, the company had financed Kini Mini. It's all ex-special air servicemen that come out of I think it's Isle of Wight, is one of those, those countries, those little islands off Britain, different status, so a special status. And Kini Mini basically uh, it gives out these mercenaries to go and start wars, and they sent in a bunch to Sierra Leone and had an ongoing war there before you knew it, and they called it a civil war in the news. But it was nothing of the kind. It was an instigated war on behalf of this big company and other big companies to, to take over land where they knew it was rich in diamonds and gold. And when the man and the, the head of the company was questioned, he looked as many, I've seen many do the same thing, as though the question was preposterous to him personally. And he said, well, what do you mean, he says, they're doing nothing with it. That, like, that rationalized having a war on people and misery and slaughter. Uh, you see, we're dealing with psychopathic personalities that, that have massive power in an economic system and who are interrelated often physically, but definitely through their corporations and the big economic giant in, in which they, they live and work. So uh, Britain especially has been so involved in the Middle East through its diplomatic corps. Now diplomacy is, is just uh, how they, they gather intelligence and try to bribe off people or leaders in other countries to, to get footholds for their masters, their economic masters, to go in and, and reap harvests of whatever it is they're after, that's what diplomatic corps have always been about. And they love it if those particular countries will adopt what they call the British democracy, meaning the entire British system. And it's part of British policy. It's always been part of British policy that when they invade a country, 
and this was this came out long before World War Two, but after or during and after World War Two, when it was demanded that Britain give up some of its uh, dominions, as they termed these conquered lands, uh, such as India and so on. And the the, the core at that time, the diplomatic core said they will only pull out, only pull out when they have set up a duplicate of the British system. That means the, the bureaucracy, the class system, and all the rest of it running that democracy, and and having a league with them, meaning treaties with them. Uh, they're integrated into a, a commonwealth, a British commonwealth system. And those countries who haven't succumbed, they simply have war after war after war on, or they'll fund groups within to create um, uh, opposing or terrorist organizations. You're only a terrorist organization, remember, until you win. Then you're heroes. You've got to remember that even Israelis, when they went in uh, and, and were brought in uh, after World War, during and after World War II, and prior to World War II, uh, they were called terrorists in national, the worldwide media, because they blew up uh, British bases, like the King David Hotel, with all the British families inside of it, with their wives with their two and children. And they were called terrorists, and now they're, they're victors, and you can't say anything about that. You're not supposed to. Uh, the same with the founding fathers. They were uh, labeled by uh, the British giant crown as terrorists. So anyone who opposes the big boy system is initially called a terrorist unless they win. And unfortunately, after they win too, they often then have treaties. Uh, a higher class develops amongst them. The good life, the psychopaths get to the top, and then they find further treaties so that they're much more like each other anyway. Uh, that's always been the problem with people who think you simply overthrow corruption and somehow you can live in bliss ever after. That's what a lot of Americans thought after the war for independence. There's nothing so untrue about that because, or more untrue, because as soon as you fall asleep, which most folk do, they want to have peace and quiet, uh, the psychopaths are busy plotting and scheming how we take it all over again. And this is the sad tragedy of, of human human existence. Uh, it goes on and on. But certainly, yeah, Britain has meddled there, has, has, has created countries that weren't there before oft times. Uh, after World War One, they drew lines in the sand and just told this bunch, that's where you live, that's your home, you'll be called this, and you bunch over, they will be called that. And then they could always have them fighting each other uh, down through the, the years and, and keeping it in, uh, unstable. Instability is great for control. Standard techniques. Hello? Yes, exactly. And uh, I would like to uh, bring to your attention, are you familiar with the Gary Davis Foundation? That uh, it's, uh, their website is, it is under wordgovernment.org. Uh, they issue word passport to, to more than five... Uh, Five million people around the world, and yeah. uh, up, uh, up to now, five countries they have accepted the world passport. I mean, uh, we, uh, I mean, uh, Gary Davis was the pilot who put the uh, atomic bomb in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Yes, that's right, and they get funded by the Rockefeller Foundation for World Government. So that's correct. I'll be back with more after these messages. Good. News, politics, cover-ups, government corruption. You're listening to We the People Radio Network. WTPRN. and it's true enough it can't go on and before I, I finish with this caller I'll get on to the other ones I just had to mention that Canada that has this nice squeaky clean image abroad 
have done an awful lot of work to make it nice and squeaky clean and pure and pristine, but under these pristine snows of Canada, there's a lot of dirt hidden too. And there was a, a man from the Middle East in Canada who lives with his family, a top engineer who went off to do a job abroad when he came back. They grabbed him at the airport. Actually, I think it was on the way to the job. They grabbed him at the Canadian airport and in cahoots with the CIA, the RCMP, allowed him to be taken in uh, off to the Middle East where he was detained for a long time and tortured almost to death. And I'm sure he's not the only one that's happened to. See, every country is doing the same thing because the psychopaths are in charge at the top of every country. They excel in the system. Psychopaths get to the top and excel in the system. So what's happening across the world is exactly that. It's across the whole world as it must be for a global society to come into being. It's a war of terror on the people's of the world and we've got to keep our heads we can't lose our heads and pick on individual emotive topics to justify slaughter uh, that's what they count on so thanks for calling thank you very much too and you have a good night sir bye bye and you, you too now we've got Wayne from Oregon are you there Wayne hello Wayne from Oregon Wayne are you still there I'm right, I'm right here. Okay, go ahead, please. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, kind of talk about these uh, shootings that, you know, happened in the last few months. I was just thinking, you know, about uh, how, you know, when that kind of stuff happens over here because of, you know, Prozac and video games or whatever, you know, they kind of, you know, they're up in arms about it and stuff, but, you know, it happens many times over in Iraq or something, and, you know, they, you know, they just get like, uh, I mean, not everybody's killing like that, but there's quite a bit of it, you know. Like, there's a lot of it going on. I get, uh, I get people uh, coming back, uh, U.S. troops coming back, and other countries too, huh. uh, telling me what's happening over, uh, over there. And the fact that they've been ordered into what they're doing, they pick select villages at random and literally go through, they bombard them from the air and then they go in with a killing field and slaughter everything that moves. And wow. the people who stay in their houses, they go, they go door to door and it's utterly brutal. And a lot of these characters now, these guys who thought it was all fun and games uh, when, they, when, they, were, when they, they were joined up are having nervous breakdowns. Hmm. Uh, when they re realize what they're actually doing. Yeah, that's, that's pretty nasty. It's like, uh, I don't know, it's, it sounds like, um, it's almost like they're the worst form of slaves, you know, that they're, they're all, I'm not saying that, you know, they, they really knew what they were getting into, but, you know, it's like, that's, that's a terrible job to carry out, you know. And, and they also get put on various drugs over there. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Uh, some of them supposedly are for malaria, but it's a new type. It was exposed in the Canadian press a while back. It makes them hallucinate. And we must always remember that nothing happens by chance. In these, they don't experiment with them. They know what the effects will be of these drugs. And they've been talking about creating the great sort of universal soldier uh, that will be more aggressive than any soldier ever made before. And, of course, they're using drugs to do it as well. Yeah. It's just, it's just weird how people, you know, can't tie the – kind of tie that together and see that, you know, it doesn't look – it doesn't look very nice when it happens to you and then, you know. That's correct. <laughs> That's correct, yeah. Well, thanks for know. calling. That's all I had to – yeah. Thanks for uh, – Having the show and all that. Yep, talk to you again. All right. Bye. Now, we've got Keith from Florida. Are you there, Keith? Hello, Keith? Speak with you. Hey, yeah, Alan, I have to tell you, I thought I was an individual until I broke through the Matrix, and now I'm just like all the other guys that have over 100 questions for you. I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you, uh, I'm going to limit it to one, and I hope to talk to you again in the future, and... Uh, I'm, I'm very pleased to have discovered your, your show. Anyways, I was wondering if you could tell me anything interesting about a, uh, a character I'm sure you recollect by the name of Alexander Hamilton, who was our first Secretary of the Treasury appointed, I think, on September 11th, 
1789, I believe, was the year. But this guy, he th I think he might be one of these interesting cats that has some connection maybe to the Bank of England, and I think that maybe he was East India Company, and I think it's sort of interesting that he was the first uh, Treasury Secretary, or the first central banker, with, uh, and he wanted to start the first uh, federal government, uh, found the federal government. He was a prime instigator of that, I, from what I understand. He also had a plan for being um, uh, maybe king himself. You know, he wanted to, he wanted the president to sit for life. If you could uh, maybe speak to that a little bit, because uh, I think he's. He, I, this is just my own personal research, and I hate to be selfish. I came into your show late, so it probably has nothing to do with anything you guys were talking about. But if you could say a few words on that, that would be I appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. Well, what happened with Hamilton? Hamilton uh, was amongst a few, but a few of the founding fathers. Uh, in fact, even Washington discussed having a king um, initially, and they actually sent off a delegation to France, then Italy, looking for a descendant of the Stuart lineage to offer it to them. Wow! It was it was a, it was a new idea to to have a president, no king. It had never been done before, you see. Mm -hmm. And Hamilton who certainly had been uh, trained by the big bankers, uh, was under the same impression that they'd have to use the old system of kings. And Jefferson is the man who invited Hamilton to his home and showed him all his pictures and portraits and paintings mm. of famous people from the past. And what Jefferson noticed about Hamilton was out of all the, 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 the paintings of philosophers and famous people, Hamilton only stopped at the ones he recognized, and each one was a tyrant in previous ages. <laughs> it was the Roman emperors or Alexander the Great and so on. And when Jefferson asked him why, he said, because these are the men that changed history. It didn't see... There's a, there's a, a saying in high masonry about the light and the darkness, a pinpoint of light. That's why Bush Sr. used that term about a, a thousand points of light. You'll find that in the writings of Franklin, too. What they are, what it would say is a, it's like a tunnel all down through history of darkness of the profane, those who never understand. And a pinpoint of light comes along every so often and lights it up for a while and change the course of history. And to their method, because they're Kabbalistic, uh, there's no right and wrong. So the fallout and the slaughters that happen are irrelevant as long as they do change the course in history. So ha uh, Hamilton was a great admirer of tyrants because he said they ruled by power and terrified the public as it should be. That's what well, he yeah, believed yeah. in. Yeah, he had, yeah. Uh, inter it's interesting. History. Do you, uh, the Constitutional Convention and the Federalist Papers and the Electoral College and the fact that one has to be actually born, born on this soil was that uh, was that due to some animosity and maybe some hostility that the state rights uh, people had towards Hamilton? Do you think they sort of went at the Constitutional Convention? Do you think they sort of smelled a rat in him? Some of these uh, uh, states' rights guys, the anti-federals. Oh yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, disagreement. Uh, it was not a cozy. This was not a cozy period where everyone agreed on things. There was a, a lot of disagreement about even how the country should go. Uh, uh, many people did not want, um, because they, again, it was the old, they knew the history of Europe, how amalgamation and amalgamation to, towards a great country ends up always with centralized government, and centralized government becomes totalitarian, that's the history of the world, and so um, they wanted to, to put more and more safeguards, more than you ended up getting, uh, so that a federal government could not be even established to take over. Uh, all, all the small parts of a federation. Uh, so, so really, the, the, the compromises that they were into, they knew once you compromise with anything, it would simply delay the action that they knew would eventually occur, and that's complete federalization and centralization of power. So, I'm correct. Hamilton's primary argument for unifying the, the people was through debt. Is that correct? Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Every, every banker, argument? every banker understood that, uh, that 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 was the technique. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, and I uh, look forward to speaking with you again. Hey, thanks for calling. Thank Back you. after these messages.
Hi, I'm Alan Watt, cutting through this matrix on a snowy night in Canada. I have Mike from Pennsylvania on the line. Are you there, Mike? Hello, Mike? Hello? Can you hear me now? Yes, go ahead. Oh, okay, very good. Uh, thank you for taking the call, Al. Say, uh, you seem to be very um, very astute at the uh, aerosolized uh, spraying that uh, needs stop uh, yesterday. Have you ever heard of uh, of a certain website called uh, bariumblues.com? No, I haven't uh, seen that one. No, it's called uh, uh, B-A-R-I-U-M uh, blues.com. Yeah, it's quite quite extensive there. I'm, I'm sure you enjoy that, Al. Uh, you were speaking earlier about the uh, 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 the vegetarianism they're trying to, uh, or they have been pushing on the masses here. Yeah. Uh, if I, yes, sir. If I recall correctly, uh, there's some very old men and women uh, that are somewhat yak herders, uh, living on uh, yogurt, uh, cheese, and goat meat, and they uh, far exceed the age of these uh, vegetarians. And I wondered if you had any type of uh, good expose work exposing this uh, this foolish uh, vegetarianism. Well, yeah, I've done shows before on it. Uh, you see, uh, an awful, awful long time ago, uh, certain elite in India had come up with ideas on how to dumb people down, and uh, it, it tied in with their religion, and the peasantry ended up being rather emaciated and, and not too swift in certain matters, but they could get their jobs done and didn't complain a lot. And if you read uh, the writings of Malthus on his population, uh, his, his paper on population, and he wrote that for the, the British East India Company, for their plantations, and for the Crown of England. Uh, he wanted to depopulate, but he also talked as well about how to make the people dumb and stupid and compliant by altering their diet into a mainly vegetarian diet and then restricting even that diet with, uh, with not an abundance of choices, but a limitation of choices. And that wasn't a new idea because, you see, the ancient Egyptians had done that with their slaves too. They tried different diets on the slaves to, to make them healthy enough to work, uh, but something that, that would, wouldn't make them too swift in the old brain box uh, side of things. Right. And, and also not, not too energetic that after the day's work they might want to walk off and, and escape. You're always too weak by the end of the day. So there's nothing new in this at all, except that the food's now been modified, the GMO food, and it's been modified to affect you physically and mentally. There's no doubt whatsoever about that. Right, so I take it you're not a vegetarian? No. Oh, very good. Oh, have you heard of the uh, uh, Lakota Indian nation trying to form a separate uh, nation within the states here? That's right. I did hear about that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, uh, that, that's very good. I'm glad you did, and I hope that pans out. And um, one last thing, and I'll get off here, hopefully someone else can get on, is um, do, you, do you foresee any uh, decent light coming out of this, for perhaps people just wakening up, and I'll take the answer off the air. Thank you, Al. Yeah. yeah, well, it doesn't take a high percentage of the right kind of people to wake up and begin to demand the answers. You see, every part of this agenda... Uh, works on our cooperation to accept it, even being beaten on the head by someone in uniform that takes the acceptance of the public to allow it to happen. You understand, without our compliance, these people end up being what they actually are, and that's just henchmen or bullies for a totalitarian system. So uh, it takes the right people to stand up and demand answers from those who are supposed to, at least supposed to serve them, and demand to know what allegiances that they've sworn to, what associations they've sworn to, all these globalist agendas, and what clubs and organizations they belong to already, because they're terrified to tell you that they belong to all these totalitarian world system clubs already. And you cannot vote into office people who've already sworn allegiance to brotherhoods, societies, which are globalist in, in their agenda. Because how can he serve you as an independent sovereign nation while he's already sworn allegiance to bringing in a world system, a world brotherhood run by the brotherhood too, by the way, not by the people? Uh, so you've got to start demanding. You'll find even your local police chief belongs to the, 
to the Police Chiefs Association, which is registered at the United Nations as a World Police Chiefs Association. That's where they get their orders from as well. So, and the same with your councillors too. They even have local councillors that go off uh, to visit other countries and, and study the red light den, uh, uh, systems in, in Holland and things like that and bring it back here. We're already global. And if you really want sovereignty, you've got to demand sovereignty. The rest of the public who are never awake uh, simply go along with whoever manages to win. Simple as that. Now, we'll also have Roy from Illinois. Are you there, Roy? Hello? Hello, Roy. Hello. Hi, Alan. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I really don't have any questions tonight. I just wanted to call and, and say thank you for the beautiful piece of music that you played for us the other night. You enjoyed uh, it, eh? Yeah. I, very much so. Very, is that something that you uh, just spur the moment uh, played, or is that... Yeah, I'd already done the blurb, and I thought, what can I, what can I give the people? So I had half an hour left, so I wrote it down and just played it right through straight, and that was it. Awesome. Awesome. Beautiful. Well, yeah. well thank you, Alan. And I just want to tell you that I love you, brother, and that I, I very much appreciate everything you do. Well, thanks for calling in. Thank All you. right, take care, Alan. Bye now. Bye. And that's how it is in this big Brave New World. The Brave New World part of it was really said thousands of years ago in ancient Greece by a philosopher. The idea being that why shouldn't an aristocratic intelligentsia have the right to dominate the minds and reshape the world into a more functioning, a more obedient, a more, what they thought was um, a more efficient system. And that also meant by running everyone's lives from birth to grave and deciding what they should work at and so on. A totalitarian system, they said that free choice and anything was so untidy and uh, you couldn't get agendas through very quickly. The same kind of thing has been stated by Margaret Thatcher and others who admitted they're part of a parallel government. I've talked about that uh, in my previous talks as well. As she said that in Massey Hall in Toronto, Canada, at a lecture called The New World Order. She said that all ex-prime ministers and, and presidents are aligned together. They all interact together. They still work together, they're not responsible to the public, so they're unhindered, unfettered by having to please the public or even, even talk to news media, but they're working together towards this new world system, the brave new world that Aldo Huxley also talked about, scientific dictatorships, scientific socialism, and we see the technocrats at the top, these aging men that never seem to die and don't come down with uh, crippling diseases because they didn't get inoculations that anyone else got. You can count your dollar on that one. And they work steadily all through their lives, these characters, moving from one position to the other, and they end up at the United Nations eventually working for a more globalist system, a part of the system. The United Nations will not be a friendly organization you already have interbred bureaucrats there who've been reared uh, from childhood with the, in the United Nations school for bureaucrats. They're not taught uh, how to be decent with the public. The, the public are almost a foreign object to them, like a foreign species, and that's how they view the public. They, they will dictate down to the public. That's how they're taught and trained. They really believe they're superior and shortly they will show their teeth when you start to hear uh, these announcements coming from the United Nations. There won't be uh, PR-type announcements that we're used to. Uh, there'll be di dictates, in fact, dictates coming down from them when they're, they're risen up to be the, the world government. They won't be the bosses, but they're a good front for the bosses. The bosses will still be riding around in royal carriages and jet-setting across the planet to their ski resorts and their favorite places and their little groves all over the world where they do their own thing. That's the kind of uh, world that they envisage. And the technocrats and bureaucrats will run all the rest of the world from cradle to grave as numbers and brain chips. And it'll be a peaceful utopia for this elite who will never have to worry again 
about having to please the public or, or making sure they can enjoy themselves, entertain themselves uh, and buy little presents for each other or themselves like Pavlo's uh, little rats. Uh, you buy yourself your present at the end of the month. Uh, that's your reward for working uh, through a job that you hate for a month. That's how we're all trained. But they won't have to let that go on, so there'll be less wastage. We'll be nice, quiet, Borg zombies, and uh, all the New Agers will be one. They'll actually be one, and they won't have a single mind of their own. I used to think it odd that the New Agers were always talking about getting to Nirvana. Well, you see, Nirvana is a state of non-being or non-consciousness, and that's quite the goal to have. Well, some of us have the opposite goal and that's to find out as much as you can and use your mind to its full extent uh, rather than going into uh, the blissful non-being of nirvana but they will get their wish because anything which is popular is is meant for the masses and the whole new age movement was meant to create shepherds to bring those masses into taking the chip so they can all be a happy one and sure enough one person will be controlling them all because that'll be the person who wrote the programs that they'll be in. What a goal, eh? What a goal in life. You all want to be one, just like seven of nine, except you won't have that kind of figure. And that's where we are in this world. It's Christmas time. It's a time that we're supposed to be happy, get through another year, and we're, we should give ourselves a pat on the back for managing it, for doing it, for getting through to this time of year. It's a hard slog at times, and in the darkness of the winter months, it's nice to see the days will start to get slowly longer and brighter until we're back into the mosquito-infested summers, and we're going to eat lots of iron up until then because those suckers dry if we don't, and I've given enough blood to nature last year. So... I ask, ask people to use their heads, use the abilities and functions you've been given, learn as much as you can, and act on them, demand from those who are put in front of you, and they are put in front of you, and work your way through the layers uh, using your intelligence and your knowledge, and start demanding. You'd be surprised what can be done when cowards are called out on the floor to explain themselves, because, you see, they can't explain themselves. They can't. Lies start dropping off them like scales until they're naked and have nothing to stand behind anymore. They have to admit to the truth, the one thing they've been doing their best to hide from you. Truth is the hardest thing to get a hold of in this existence. The hardest thing of all. Simple truth ensure there's nothing simple about it nothing simple about it at all and at the top of the hour now I think the music will be coming on and I'll be back again uh, next week at the same time we'll be into the new year then and we should all strive towards really making our world a better place from Hamish and myself up in a snowy old Ontario Canada is good night and may your God or your gods go with you